Welcome on in, everybody, to the Check Your Brain podcast here on Patreon or wherever you're listening to this. Could be for free on Wednesday, or you can listen, well, earlier Wednesday morning on the Check Your Brain podcast Patreon. So go subscribe at patreon.com slash Tony Mazer or get it for free like all the other freeloaders here, uh, as I'm now craving Mr. Hero from my friend, uh, comedian from Cleveland by way of New York. That's Ray DeVito. What's up, Ray? How hey, you? how you doing, buddy? Doing good. I'm doing. I'm. I'm doing pretty well myself. And uh, yeah, no. Uh, I was uh, the the last time I had you on. You were one of my first guests on the podcast uh, about two years ago, and I played the your tips to living in New York City. And I'm like, okay, well, I already played that, so I had to find the one about uh, you in Cleveland. And uh, I mean, you're some you're somebody that uh, you and I have done a bunch of gigs together and and everything. And you're a Cleveland guy who's just I can never tell where you are. It's like some days it's like, hey, I'm in Astoria. We're doing a show in Brooklyn. And then it seems like the next day it's like, hey, I'm in Lakewood and we're doing a show here. So it's like you're always on the move in between New York and Cleveland. Do you how many times have you driven that stretch on? I'm assuming Route 8, I-80, right? Oh, a zillion times. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, a zillion times, man. I know I-80 pretty well. It's a lot of nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, I just always got to be on the road. It's like part of the deal. Um, I will say that unless I'm headlining, I really don't promote the gigs. Like, I, mm. I don't, you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be like, hey. So, yeah, if I'm headlining, I promote the gigs. But otherwise, like, yeah, I'm all over the country, though. Yeah, it's uh, that that trip. So my first question to you is, Wawa, Sheets, or Get-Go? Um, <laughs> as I drink from my Wawa cup here, I'm I'm gonna say I, I would say I would say sheets just because like I'm I'm used to sheets I know what I'm getting, and also sheets. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd say sheets. I'd say sheets. I yeah, also because sheets has I have a slow leak in one of my tires. So I always need to fill up my tire and it's got like free air. Like nothing's worse when you pull in a gas station. It's like $2 for air. But I have to fix a slow leak, especially with winter coming. But um, funny thing about that Cleveland video, though, that you showed mm -hmm. is um, I don't know. I, I don't want to say I'm the reason why they did it. But after that video came out, literally like a month later, Mr. Hero got rid of all their um, – billboards that said texture order really because they were they were all over the place uh, i was just making a joke like yeah only a local chain could be like yeah uh where it says like texture order ahead like yeah i know you're driving 80 miles per hour but go ahead take out your phone order some food why not like obviously you don't care about your health you're ordering mr <laughs> hero but all those billboards of them like texture order online are all gone they no longer exist. They all got replaced with what's now just like a picture of a Roman burger being like, Hey, I'm trying Mr. Hero. So they no longer have texture order uh, ahead. For folks no. outside the 75 mile radius of Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> there, we, we, we have a place called Mr. Every town has a Mr. Hero at some point. Yeah. It's like a local chain where the food's really not that good, or it used to be good decades That's ago. It's not bad. Now Roman burgers. All right. It's yeah, all right. It's I, I, I'm a once a year Roman burger guy. And then I then I get sick and I have diarrhea or whatever. Unless, of course, you're trying oh, right, to... your day's done. You eat a Roman burger. Your day's done. Like, OK, yeah. I, I was just making sure you're not gunning for trying to be their spokesperson. No, no. Your <laughs> I day's... didn't want to shit on that. Yeah. 
But I was going to say, if not for them, none of us would know that it is still possible to buy 5,000 calories for only eight ninety nine. So <laughs> shout out to Mr. Hero for that. God, every town has their own Mr. Hero of like some sort where it's a local chain. It's probably run by Pakistanis or Indians. And you go there, they yell at you about your order. It's not healthy for you. You need basically you need to order it on Friday. So you'll be good. If you're if you have work Monday, you're going to be good and all completely digested by then. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, they're definitely like independently owned. Like everyone you go to is completely different. Like some, they're overly nice to you. Other ones, they just want you out of there immediately. Yeah, it's definitely like uh, not like a, uh, a corporate franchise where like everyone's like, like a mom and pops thing. Well, my mom, so my mom is from Chicago and she was telling me we used to when uh, she lived in Joliet, which is in the Chicagoland. I know. Area. I know Joliet. And uh, oh, Joliet the, Jake. That's right. Joliet Jake and Elwood, Elwood Blues. Yeah. And uh, filmed at the prison. And uh, so that's where my mom's from. And what's interesting about being in Chicago is everyone thinks of Chicago as deep, deep dish pizza. And they're like, no, that's not a thing. That's like a tourist thing that they created like a couple of decades ago that they were used to almost like as flat as a cracker with the pizza. So I'll ask you a, a stupid food question of being in, you know, being in New York is like, is the food as good as people think it is in New York or is because I've I've had the pizza and I'm. I'm not Italian. So you're Italian. You're probably a bit better judge of this, but I'm like, yeah, pizza is pizza to me. There's some pizza is pretty good. Uh, I have the 99 cent pizza place over at uh, next to John Sullivan's. It's seventh uh, Avenue and 35th. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's not different from the rays that's down the street. So, you know, are you are, from being from Cleveland and being a, a food, you know, with our food scene, are you a critic or do you just not care? You just need something in your system. Oh, no, New York definitely has, like, the best food just for the fact that, like, everything's there. Like, um, I'm usually in a story when I'm there. So there's an Indian restaurant that's great. There's, like, um, like a, a Slovakian place, which I didn't even know. They, they have this thing called Savapi. It's like this flour pita with, like, these um, – these they're like sausage, but not really. And then you put, like, just onions on it, cold onions – and this red pepper sauce, and it is, it's, it's fantastic. But like, if I wasn't in New York City, like I never had Slovak, like it's called Savapi with a C, C-E-V-A-P-I. And yeah, it's, it, it's, it's Slovak. It's, it's, you said Slovak, not Suflaki. It's no, Slovak. No, the name of the, I, I don't know exactly what, they always have like a, some, um, Eastern European soccer game on their television. So it's okay. one of those countries. Like, I don't know if it's Slovakia or whatever, but Savapi is what it's called. C-E-V-A-P-I is the food. And it is, it's, it's fantastic. And yeah, and like, I never would have known about it if um, I didn't like live in New York. So yeah, and as far as pizza, the thing about it's cool about like New York pizza is you get it by the slice. So like you... You could eat two slices and like you're you're good for the day. Like it's not like in Ohio, you have to order an entire pizza and then your your night's over because you don't eat just two slices. You yeah, you basically in, in Ohio, we have the noon style where you can you either get a full pizza at any time yeah. or from like noon until two o'clock. You can get pizza by the slice. and That's the only way they'll make it. But yeah, no, it was, it was nice going to a couple of places, having pizza by the slice, going back to the subway when I was over in New York a couple of months ago. 
Um, yeah, your but- day can go on after you eat the pizza. It's not like in, in Ohio, <laughs> if you get a pizza, like it's like it's in your stomach because you're not going to eat just two slices. You're going to keep eating it because it's there and it's hot. Yeah. And it's it's next door to Mr. Hero. So then you get waffle fries. <laughs> with the uh, yeah, cheese yeah. sauce, <laughs> the, the bukkake of cheese sauce you get there um so yeah, i never like cheese sauces like cheese whiz i never got into it when i was a kid i never liked like a cheese not sauce. even when you're in philly that's like that's like saying a racial slur in philly is if you don't like the cheese whiz on the <laughs> i think the you're gonna hear racial slurs while you're in philly whether you want to hear them or not it just, <laughs> it's just i think that's just called philadelphia that's right yeah, yeah. The kensington um so what's interesting, Ray, about like, so I, I look at your social media and you are kind of like a throwback on Twitter. And when I say throwback, you're saying funny things. You don't get political. You don't get involved in anything. You're not saying like, here's my stance on abortion. Here's my stance on this. It's like you kind of stay out of the feuds. And it's uh, for being in this universe where it's so easy to get wrapped up in all the feuds that we have, whether it's, you know, radio shows, podcasts, everything, you kind of just stay out of it. You're like, yeah, no, I'm just putting on shows and doing my thing. Yeah, I I don't know. I know like that's like, uh, which, by the way, I I don't I don't don't mind stuff like that. Like it is fun to watch from afar, but like, I don't. But uh, yeah, I I don't get involved. I kind of use Twitter like a joke notebook a lot of times where I like just write a joke it's more like just an idea like if if sometimes like it'll get retweeted like 15 times great if not i I don't care it's more like if i'm writing jokes i'll go i'll just like look through my twitter i'm like oh that's a funny idea that's a funny idea and sometimes i'll look at an old tweet or something and i'll just retweet it so it stays in my head to be like oh that's uh, an idea i can do for a joke just to remind myself like ah i never did anything with it the first time uh, I, I tweeted that or whatever, but yeah, I'll, so I just use Twitter for that. Yeah, because that was the beginning of Twitter uh, like 10, 12, 13 years ago was if you were a comic, it was the perfect way because I know a lot of comics like David Tell are not going to put his material out there in social media. But when you were a young comic, you were trying stuff out, you're an open micer, you were uh, like a maybe a road guy, but not like, you know, an A-list comic. You were trying material out. The problem was, is then they started finding those old tweets that you had in 2010 and say, did you say some, you know, you go, I was working material out, but it's hard to tell people in 2022 that just want to jump on a tweet. You say, look, Twitter at one time, if you were a comic or you're somebody in this trying to be in this universe, you tried to be funny. You tried to say something funny. You get some at the time they were called favorites and not likes. And you were trying to get people favoriting your tweet or retweeting. You go, hey, this one got 12 retweets. Hey, maybe I'll put that in my act. Maybe I'll see where it can fit. And uh, you're kind of still doing that, whereas a lot of other comics either got political, uh, they left Twitter, they got kicked off of Twitter because, you know, certain comics will drop racial slurs or something or get into feuds with people. It's like you're like, no, it's Ray DeVito still operating like it's 2009 on Twitter. And it's actually I'm not I'm, not, I'm not the only one. Uh, Mark Norman does that all the time. Like if you watch True. his act, they, um, you know, um, he he uses it like that. He'll he'll use it and like tweet something and like tweet a joke, and then he'll put that in his act. Like so, yeah. There's people that do do that. And by the way, I think it was Bill Burr that said that like it is like hilarious when they like go through people's old tweets and they find something from like eleven years ago. Like hey, look at how insensitive he was. Like all right, he said that was one joke eleven years ago. Think about the eleven years he didn't say 
anything insensitive in a tweet. Like you had to go back 11 years to find something. That's 10 years of good behavior that you're not rewarding. But like, hey, look, like, it's obviously not that guy. You're obviously not that person. If they had to go back 10 years to find one horrible thing or I, one insensitive thing that you tweeted, like it's not like. So, yeah, I don't, well, I don't know, because when you think about some of these, the, the athletes that got popped for quoting rap lyrics like Josh Allen from the Bills and Josh Hader, the uh, closer from the San Diego Padres, and th- they drop and drop the end bomb in the quote of a rap song they liked when they were 14. Now they're in their mid 20s and they're like and they didn't delete their Twitter, which, of course, that's the rookie of the mistake. Delete your Twitter. Start over. You got your new blue check mark. You're a pitcher wipe all that clean because if especially if you're a suburban white kid you probably said some things you don't want out there at one time but i will say though i'm i'm really glad we we didn't grow up with smartphones we didn't grow up with twitter and all and snapchat and tiktok i mean my god it's uh i I can't even imagine like i'm 34 and when i was in high school that's when kids were starting to get cell phones. Like it was starting to become, Hey, you know what? We should probably get our 15 year old cell phone, but I miss the, the, the iPhone craze. I miss the, the picture phone, everything like that, because high school would have been pretty bad, (laughs) pretty bad. I think for me. Yeah. I I don't know. Um, Yeah. As far as like, yeah, I I don't think even when I was a kid, I don't think I was like, I think I was like kind of self-conscious to like, not, say like my best friend in high school was black so i mean i i knew not to say anything like i wasn't gonna say anything racist or whatever but i, I don't know maybe say stuff like in joking content or whatever but yeah I, I i guess like yeah kids being on social media like there's no reason to like capture everything i would i would have been like how unpopular i was i wasn't popular in school so there wouldn't be a lot of people on my phone to begin with like yeah i mean like i w- one thing with me because i was talking about this recently on a podcast is, um, you know, you talk about the beginnings of, uh, of like how people start off and what is when people fight with trolls and you're like, Oh, there's, there's a troll is calling me names or whatever. And you start attacking someone with three followers. Chances are that person with three followers is 12 years old. And you're, you're dealing with a teenager who's trying to be shocking and trying to get after you. And I was thinking back to, I mean, the early... I never go after trolls. Like anyone I like, like, I don't, I like, yeah, I don't, yeah, if they say something funny, I'll like reply back like, "All right, that that's funny." I'll hit like even if they're trying to be mean. If it's funny, it's funny. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't. Yeah, I don't interact like that. Also, I don't know about you, man, but like when I was in middle school, I remember like not buying yearbooks purposely because everyone was going around signing each other's yearbooks, mm-hmm. and I always in my head I'm like. Uh, I don't think anybody would sign my yearbook. Like I remember purposely not wanting to buy yearbooks because I'm like, I didn't want to be the kid that like, cause you see other kids like, Hey, can you sign my yearbook? And I'm like, not a lot of people ask me to sign yearbooks. And I remember like that as a kid. Do you, do you remember that? Did they have that when you were a kid? Like, sort of. So, so you're a Gen X or I'm a, I, unfortunately I'm a millennial and I'm of the millennial generation where uh, they started introducing the, if you're going to sign his yearbook or her yearbook, you have to sign everybody's yearbook. Oh. And, then it, and then it was Valentine's day and they would have Valentine's carnations. And I remember the first year they rolled it out. I didn't get a carnation and I was really upset by it. Could have been the buck teeth, could have been the braces, could have been the, the hair and everything. Uh, you know, wh- whatever the case is, the big glasses. And uh, then the next year it was, 
everybody gets a carnation from somebody and or they don't do carnations at all. So that's this whole PC stuff. It did not just start five years ago. This has been going on for nearly 30 years. And uh, so that's when they really. So you talk about the participation trophy or the participation. We never got participation trophies. We got ribbons. Um, And that was of that generation. So I, I. that's why we're a very soft generation, why we think that everything is is supposed to be for us and it shouldn't be. It's not we're not we don't we're not owed everything. And at the time they decided, well, it's going to be bad for kids morale if, you know, if if Jane over I shouldn't I shouldn't say Jane. No one was Jane. We had like three Ashleys in my class. So uh, the cute Ashley ends up having all the guys sign her book and everything. And but then the ugly girl with the braces and the, you know, who smells isn't going to get anything. So it it sucks. But, you know, what what are you going to do? We've gotten worse since then. (laughs) Yeah. No, I remember like, uh, yeah, I definitely wasn't a popular kid. And yeah, I remember like not going to dances because like uh, I, I didn't have dates. You know, like I didn't have um, you didn't have games. I didn't have game either. Well, was I, terrible. I, yeah, like I didn't. Um, and yeah, I remember like always being nice to like all, all the kids just because like I wasn't a popular kid. So it's like, um, you know, like whenever I see someone picking on another kid, I will always like uh, say something to the kid that was like bullying the other kid or whatever. Like I, I wasn't a fan of that and because that I would then get beat up by the bullies. Would so, you be would you be the one where you're around the bullies where the kids getting beat up? You're like, hey, come on, man. Come on. Let's let's stop. Let come on. They'll let him be. Let him be. He's just he's a nerd or whatever or one of those or or. No, you know, I, I didn't like I didn't like because I always felt like on the outside. So I didn't like when other uh, kids were also put on the outside. So I get in the middle. But then because of that, I would then become the one. The person what w- would bully like you, I you'd yeah. be the target. Yeah, then I became the target. So, like, that happened a few times. But, yeah, I look back at it, like, and a lot of those kids that, like, but because of that, like, like uh, Metallica, ACDC, like, everyone, like, I, 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 to this day, I don't like either of those bands. I just don't. And I think it's because all the kids that used to beat the shit out of me were always wearing, like, Metallica shirts. I see. I get you. So, like, I just hated Metallica. I just, like, Metallica can suck a dick. <laughs> like, fuck Metallica. <laughs> oh, so you're not going to go see them when they uh, go on no, the world tour? No, it's nothing here. against Metallica. I'm sure they're <laughs> great human beings, but, like, it, it took me a while to like Guns N' Roses because, like, Guns N' Roses was another band, like, all the fucking assholes always had Guns N' Roses t-shirts. Now I love Guns N' Roses, so I, I, I moved past that. But, like, ACDC and Metallica... um. And what's also is sucked is that was also like the Beavis and Butthead or yeah. ACDC and Meta, which of course, which is like came out like a like a year. What did they come out like ninety one or something? Yeah, ninety one, ninety two. Yeah, yeah. So I was like just like uh, I was still in middle school, and then I was like just getting out of middle school, and then that show, and like it just reminded me back like two years ago. Those were the kids that were like. And there was always kids that like failed school like three years in a row. That's why like they were obviously angry because they sucked at everything in life. So they take it out on other kids. And I was one of the kids. I was was just thinking about that. It's it's interesting you say that about that you hated a band, but you didn't know really know the band. You just hated the people who liked them. Yeah. yeah. It kind of came to me that the emo craze was when I was in high school. So I'm talking about early to mid 2000s. 
And that's when bands like My Chemical Romance were re really big and all the losers with the fishnets and they would paint their nails and they would wear lip rings and dye their hair black with like a, a maroon skunk stripe in the middle. And I'm like, oh, these guys are losers in this band. And, and I had seen them a couple of times. I didn't really like them because I didn't like the crowd. And then I've kind of gone back and I'm like, it's a pretty fucking good band. I yeah, really like them. Yeah, I was big <laughs> them. I hated I hated the people who were a part of it. I never bullied anybody because right. I was always the guy who was in. I was in the drama club. I was in a band, but I was also the pitcher on the baseball team. So I was always like around uh, like there were the stoners. So I, 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 I don't know if that's maybe an overcompensation for when I was a kid that uh, I just I maybe it was a feeling of wanting to be liked. And I guess that's what it was a good transition in doing stand up because who wants to go on stage and just be hated the whole time? But yeah, I always wanted to be like, yeah, no, I've I'll, been there. I've been hated. <laughs> I've been hated on stage. I think like that's one of the things where like, it, it doesn't bother me if a crowd doesn't like me. It's like almost being like a major league pitcher. Like I've been doing stand up long enough where it's like I know the strike zone. Like I know the strike zone. Yeah. So I know where I know where that pitch landed. You could pretend like it's a ball, but I know where it landed. So I know that was a strike. Um, so well, it, it's, it, that's what it's doing the reps. That's what doing the reps is for. It's not just to say funny things and work on material. It's working, working on stage presence and it's working on how you can handle yourself, whether you're doing a bar gig in front of a couple of people, a bar gig in front of a sold out crowd, or you do a comedy club in front of a couple of people or a comedy club with a full full house. So you have to be in every one of those situations. And it kind of keeps you grounded as a comedian. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. Like I was uh, I, I got um, where was I? Uh, I? I think I went to judge. You ever go to judge? They do that show on and it's 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 not. Oh, bad. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's it's not bad. And, and uh, it, it could be fun. Like I could work out some stuff there and it's fun. But like they uh, like Brian and David, they're always bringing up like, oh, this guy's been on Comedy Central or something. And like the crowd will pay attention and they'll be and they'll be good for me. Well, last time I did it, which um, I think it was two weeks ago. And I just said to Brian, I go, don't say anything. Just say my name. Don't say anything about me. Just just bring me up Just say and this next guy is Ray DeVito. So he does that. And I purposely say I start off with a Johnson and Johnson joke about the covid vaccine, which does very well. I purposely did a joke that worked before I went into new stuff. And because he didn't say that I done anything, they just like weren't paying attention. There's no expectation. Yeah. And, and it was like, and it was, but I wanted that because before when you say like, Oh, this guy, and they all pay attention and then they like, whatever you do. And also like the newer comics, like, Oh, this guy's done something. Maybe he can help me out with something. So now they're fake laughing at whatever you say. And I purposely go, don't say anything. And, it, and I didn't get one. I didn't get one. La there was like three people in front that were like listening, paying attention that like, like that got the jokes and like the jokes. But for the most part, it was like, yeah, it's like if you're so it's a weird gauge in Ohio, at least like uh, doing shows like that. If they don't mm -hmm. say you've done anything, then a lot of these like and it's it is an open mic, but it's it, really well, it's in, like, in my favorite, whether it's an, out. My, my favorite, whether it's an open mic or it's a uh, a bar gig, like an actual booked gig and no nobody's really laughing. But then they come up to you and say, I thought you were really funny. I'm like, you know, you're allowed to laugh just because no one else is. You're allowed to. <laughs> It's, oh, it's a it's that communal feeling where it's just like 
is it okay? Can we laugh at this? Is this so? But it's not for inappropriateness. It's just, I I think it's funny, but no one else does. So am I, am I a weirdo? Am I the only one? It's this weird mind fuck as an audience. Cause I like being in the audience at a comedy show. I like, I'm not, I don't like the, when, when you talk about the comics table or the comics area of any type of comedy club or whatever, I like being there for the show, whether I'm performing on it or not, because I love comedy that much. And I love uh, that communal. That's what I missed during the whole COVID thing was the communal feel of everybody getting together and laughing, just letting themselves go, having a couple of drinks, maybe some mozzarella sticks or chicken fingers or whatever the case is, and just enjoying yourself and laughing. And I, I like being a part of that. And it's just, but I also like the psychology of an audience of just reading how a room can be, especially if you're featuring, like if you're featuring or headlining, you kind of look around and go, hmm, okay. You know, because obviously the whole thing is, do you blame the audience if the audience is bad or is it your bad and you can't blame there? There is no bad audience. It doesn't matter. It's like, there's always that weird psychology, that mind fuck that people go through. and. I, I kind of like that challenge. I probably, if you if, if I said this six, seven years ago, I probably would have disagreed with myself, but I do like that challenge now at this point in doing comedy. I, I would say this is my advice, like young comics. If you're, if you're on a show like that or whatever, like just focus on the few people that are paying attention to you and just, uh, and just say it to them, don't, don't worry about the other things. You get what I'm saying? Like just, yeah. Focus on like those four people paying attention and and just worry about that. Like just say say it to them and just just block out the other. Just have tunnel vision. Worry about them and then uh, other people. Like don't, don't even worry. Don't even worry about the other. As far as like if mm-hmm. you're talking about a bar show or whatever. But also like if I'm doing a bar show like an or a loosely booked bar show or something, like, I'm only really there to try out new stuff i'll do yeah. i'll do a couple jokes that i know work because i want to make sure they're okay and then i'll close it with something i know works but for the most part like i i, I just got to work you know i, I just got to work on these jokes here we go let's see let's roll let's get it out there one of my favorite shows i've done this year because i i, I just like this is the one we did in north ridgeville back in march and <laughs> yeah, it was weird because cool. There All was, fired up. <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't many people in there and they weren't no. there for comedy except for a couple of people. They they showed up because they saw us promote it. Um, but it was one of those odd things where you do a bar gig where people are like, oh, I didn't know they're doing comedy. Isn't it supposed to be karaoke tonight? Well, fuck this. And then they left. And then the people that did stay are like, all right, I guess I'll have another drink. Well, all right. All right. Let's see. OK. All right. That was kind of funny. And it was one of those where. It was such a challenge. It was like doing CrossFit and you haven't worked out in four months and you go, let's do it. it we, you have no choice because it's like, yeah. it, it, I'm going to, if I'm going to bomb tonight, I'm bringing all of us with you. With yeah. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, it was a lot of fun. And everybody came up to us afterward and we're like, oh, that was really funny. We weren't expecting a show yeah. like that. And it's again, like, it, wasn't, it was like a Tuesday night or Wednesday. Yeah. And- it, I was it, in town. The guy threw us a few bucks. He's like, "Hey, you want to do a show?" Threw us a few bucks. Like, yeah. And we got do it. Hammered. Why not? We got yeah, hammered yeah. That, night. <laughs> that was uh, fun. But it was it was fun because when you're doing comedy for only like maybe a year or a couple of years, when you have a lot of open mic comics, that is a 
that scares people. It's like, oh, I didn't get a laugh. This is a joke that I know when I do my open mic, I do this. This usually hits and it didn't hit here for me. I'm like and I know for you because you're the seasoned vet at doing this. You're like, stick on the challenge, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't get mad at them. Yeah. Also, they're like uh, the clientele in that uh, restaurant is like really old people. Mm-hmm. So and they're, they're very sweet. And yeah, they're just there to have fun, even if they don't. But yeah, I, I like that place. Uh, I don't mind doing so. I, I He used to own and this is before my, Jeff Shaw knows the guy. But he used he used to own the comedy club in Rocky River in the eighties. There was a comedy club there, hmm. and yeah, and that guy Tommy owned it. Like Jeff Shaw remembers him, and like he's talking about yeah, we had Robert Schimmel and the unknown comic. And oh, Murray just, Langston. Uh, yeah, like he's just naming off these, and I mean I know the names just because like I, I'm a comedian, but I mean obviously Robert Schimmel, uh, we all know, uh, but. Like some of them, like like Bob Nelson, he's saying, which I remember. But and Bob Nelson was a huge deal, like back in the day. The Jiffy Jiffy Jeff, what what? Uh, and yeah, just hearing like all these old. Like when I was a little kid, I thought everyone loved stand up comedy, and I would watch uh, like HBO specials, like the Young Comedians HBO specials. And I remember like Fred Stoller and I thought Fred Stoller was great. He was so like, I don't care. I'll take it down with me. I'm out of control. I don't care. <laughs> I ate yogurt and it expired yesterday. You can't <laughs> stop me. And it, it, I, I just remember like loving that dude. Like, uh, did you like, like Barry Sobel? I did. I did. I have a Barry Sobel story. Really? Story. Yeah. I got a is Barry he, is he still alive? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is maybe like. 10 years ago, it's got to be at least 10 years ago, but I'm at the, I'm at the comic strip. He's on the show at the comic strip. And like, I loved him when I was a kid. I thought Barry Silva was the the greatest. She's like white guy rap before it was white guy rap. He, he like did like, it was thing. like, it was like hand in hand with him and the beastie boys were like really yeah. big at that time. The yeah. mid eighties. I'm not the beastie boys or run DMC. I'm just, I just want to know your Zodiac signs. This is a Zodiac. It's just, uh, <laughs> and it's, it, it was funny for the day. It, it would crush back in the eighties. And I remember, and I was like, I was excited to see him. I'm like, dude, you're, you're like, oh, I, I love, and here's what got him. I, I'm like, dude, I loved you when I was a kid, and that pissed him off. Oh, geez. that like, <laughs> that like turned on. Like, he just automatically hated me right then <laughs> and there, just for saying that. And then uh, I I watched him, and he went up and did the exact same act he did when I was a kid in the in the eighties and nineties, the same exact act. Like, and this is, this is what, like 2012. Yeah. He did that. I'm not run DMC or the, uh, the Zodiac sign, silly rabbit tricks are for kids like doing that. And you're like, and it was like, wow. It, it was just weird. What, like he didn't change a thing. There's there. Cause there's some comics that they didn't write new material, but you still enjoy them. Like Kevin Meany was one of those where for 30 years he did the, we are the world bit. And you gotta get that puss off your face. Why do you have a puss on your face? What's wrong with you? <laughs> he would do that. It's like, 
You know, why do you do this to your father and I? Why do you do this to your parents? Yeah, I yeah. don't care. I don't care. <laughs> My jokes don't go over. I don't care. He doesn't care. And he he would do it for and I really, love Kevin Mean. I never got to see him live and sadly he's dead now. Turns out he was gay. I didn't know he, he was, was gay. He was. Yeah. And but he, then uh, after afterwards you hear that. Okay, I could see it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then, well, no, he, he did come out and he did a bunch of gay jokes. He's like, of course I'm gay. And he's like, he's doing this, like, the Paul Lynn thing. But like Kevin Meany, Otto and George, like Otto would do the same bit, the JFK assassination, everything for years. Yeah. But it, it, it would kill. But there are some comics that you just go, yeah. Yeah, Sobel's jokes did not age well. He was in the movie Punchline with Tom Hanks doing those. He was on those. Those Eddie Murphy specials. He was like the only. He was like the token white guy in those. That was what, what Chris Rock was on those. Arsenio mm-hmm. Hall, Marsha Warfield, and like he was like the token <laughs> white guy. And uh, yeah, his jokes don't age well. Another guy whose jokes do not age well. Um, but I did a uh, two man shows with him at Hilarities. Was uh, Dave Coulier, and this is like a few years after he was on the Surreal Life, and he. Didn't change a thing. He, like he still did. Like, um, did he do Bullwinkle? He did Rocky and Bull. You ever oh, get God. pulled over by hey, the cops? Hey, and Rocky, kill- watch me pull a rabbit out of my head. Yeah, my he sleeve. did like Presto. Yeah, <laughs> it's like God. you ever get pulled over by the cops and want to give him the Bullwinkle voice, and then like did it. But I will say this: he crushed. Yeah, they loved. Every minute of it. Of course they did. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that with Pauly Shore. I've seen it with um, certain comics that were, you know, of that stature at one time. I mean, it's it's a novelty to go see them for for the most part. And I think guys like Dave Coulier, guys like uh, who were former like if um, like if Howie Mandel went on tour, I think it's one of those cases would be the same thing where he like um, blows the medical glove out of his <laughs> nostril or whatever he used to do. Put it, put it on his head. Yeah. Yeah. I um you you mentioned Marsha Warfield. I got to work with her a few years ago and she hadn't done stand up I think in like 20 something years at that point. She had gotten into a car accident and I think she was also going through cuz she she's also gay which if you didn't know that at the time and the <laughs> back in the night court days that it's like yeah she did come out but she hadn't done stand up in 20 years or something. And she was on her first leg of her tour. Uh, when she came back and she murdered, on, I mean, absolutely crushed on stage. And I remember watching her. She was on Comic Relief. You and- know, not because um, I uh, when I started doing comedy, I emceed somewhere where she was headlining and she did well. Mm. I want to say it was maybe Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. But then again, that's like when I first started. So this is like early 2000s. OK, so, yeah, she probably that was around the time I think she got into a car accident okay. and then she just was like, yeah, I'm kind of done with show business. And she started making a comeback on Facebook because she gained a following of all the 80s nostalgia. People were like, hey, what happened to Marsha Warfield? She was funny on Night Court. And yeah. she came back and she was doing a double bill tour with her. It was it was like the 80s TV the tour with okay. Mark Skippy Price. And uh, uh, how how is I never saw him. I can't imagine it. I don't want to. Is he's a nice guy? All right. By that's, the way, Marshall Warfield was a super nice lady. She yes. was funny. She crushed on stage. But uh, yeah, she was a super nice lady. She's uh, it, it, it takes a second because she she still has that sass. And uh, but it, she was really good. And uh, who's the uh, Thea Vidal 
was unbelievable. Like she's, she, you know, she's a little older now. And so she, she sits when she does stand up. She, she's like big Jay Okerson, but again, another one just crushing in the crowd. So I, I, I loved it. Um, so, they, you know, some of those that they do surprise you over time of being like a really good comic. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier in your career and we were talking about days in grade school or middle school and high school. Um, what was it that I, I'm always fascinated about what got people into doing comedy? Like, what was your, is it the years of, you know, whether it's, I don't know, it was rejection or insecurities. Was there something in your life that happened that triggered this or what, what was it that got you into doing standup? I don't I, I always, like I said, like, I always loved stand-up comedy and I just assumed everybody did. I, I didn't realize like I was like, I, I didn't realize that uh, Fred Stoller wasn't a household name. Um, you, you know what I mean? Uh, who, who else back then? It turns out he was best friends with Norm MacDonald. Uh, he died. Yeah. Uh, n- not, not very Stoller, but the, the, the other guy that like kind of sounds like Norm some guy that had cancer that he was big in the eighties and I can't think of his name, but hmm. shit. I, I know the second that's I friends with dumb, Norm. He also talked like the, Drake Savage. I think Drake okay. Savage was his name. Um, and I, I just thought everyone knew that. And I would go to school and like the people that I knew, I'm like, would say they're and like, they wouldn't laugh at those jokes. And they were just like, or Robert Schimmel jokes. And they're like, wouldn't get the jokes. I'm like, how do you not get that? Like, um, I just assumed everyone. Li- and then I just knew I liked it. And then I, it's one of those things. Like I always knew, like, even here's when I knew where I could be all right doing comedy. This is, uh, Dave Schwenson, uh, including oh, yeah, Ohio. I think mm-hmm. he still has them, like these improv workshop classes. Yes. He still does them. And I was in it. Ryan Dalton was in. It. I think it was me, Chad, and Ryan all started stand-up comedy. I want to say on the same night at the Robin Hood. But Dalton and I were in the, Dave Schwenson's uh, workshop class at the Improv. And one of the first jokes I ever wrote, and this is, is I go, I go, uh, I, I was dating, like uh, I was dating this girl. And uh, I, I wanted to have sex. With, uh, I want to have sex. And she goes, no, I can't have sex with you because I res-. she goes, no, I can't have sex with you because I respect you too much. And then my boy is like, dude, you're so stupid. It's like, like I, 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 I had sex with her on the first date. And I'm like, wow, dude, she doesn't respect you at all. <laughs> and like, that was like one of my first. Jo- and then Dave Schwenson stopped me and he's like, listen, we got one rule. If you're going to do this, you can't do other people's jokes. You got to do your own jokes. And like, I, I wrote that joke. And that's what said to me, like, I think I can do this in a weird oh, way. So, okay. So, so it's weird. Like being accused of like saying someone else's joke was like, and I was like, I think I could do this. Like he thinks that's a professional. Like that was my dumb. That's not even a great joke, mm-hmm. but just the fact that, he just assumed I took someone's joke with, and I'm like, I think I could do this. Yeah, well, and that's that's what's interesting about the early days of doing stand-up is we are I, I think everybody's influenced by someone. And in your first year or two, there are going to be some hint, some very subtle hints or some very blatant hints of who you're influenced by, whether it's Dave Attell, whether it's Louie, whether it's uh, Chappelle, whether it's Chris Rock, whatever it is at the time that you grew up with. And then it's eventually- probably Jay Cook. That's probably who 
when I started doing comedy, like when I first started, like Dan Cook was huge. Yep. And I was also like, I was doing like, I mean, I've talked about my podcast before, but when I, I used to do a crocodile hunter impression, I would wear a, a wig in my pants. I, I would do this joke <laughs> where I go, I'm Italian. We just want a woman to rub our fingers through our, our hair like you, you or, or even this guy. I don't care. Just rub our fingers through our hair. And then I pulled on my pants would be a big, hairy, bushy wig in my underpants. And I would always do it early in my act because I didn't like the wig being in my pants. But I would do anything for a laugh. Which I always tell young comics, just get a laugh. First, you got to get a laugh. Then you could determine uh, how to get the laugh. How, it's like, how to get the laugh. It's like you, you, if you get the laugh first, no matter what it is, then you figure out how you can make them laugh. Yeah. And by the way, these are all horrible jokes. A crocodile hunter impression and the, with the, 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 the like the dumbest jokes. And they're stupid. And uh, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm not embarrassed to say that I did that. I'm just being honest. But, but yeah, it's, it's, it, but it's almost horrible. 20 years ago that you were doing them and. You know, we don't I mean, unless you're already lying, you're not really going back in time to your first year doing stand up and still doing that material. But it's something yeah. to build upon. Like I remembered I wanted to do stand up as early as I think it was 18. So I, I, imagine I, if I never changed my jokes. I'm still doing like. Yeah. And I used to like a, and not to interrupt you. We'll go. But, no, no. Uh, um, like remember those entertainment coupon books? Yes. Those all, like, I used to do a joke about like that was like one of my big things. And I, I ended up having a call back to like close my set but i go oh my mom gave me one of these like uh here use this good ideas for for a uh, dates for dance oh yeah that's exactly what it's just a woman lugging around with this encyclopedia of coupons like any women into uh, getting half price off on putt putt and uh, stuff like uh one of those sinatra on our ways we get half price appetizers like just dumb shit like that but imagine like doing that never change your act still doing the only way, you, well, you could do that with Groupon. Like you can just transition if you have something. Oh, those jokes are dumb. Like oh, they need to be gone. Oh, I, I'm just, I'm just saying that you got to start somewhere. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. And because I, I wanted to start when I was 18, and the problem is I couldn't. Right now, there's so many open mic places, but in Cleveland, in the mid 2000s, there really there there weren't no. any places that I could find. I any. do karaoke. I go to karaoke nights, put my name in. And be like, oh, I'm going to do three minutes of jokes. And this is before karaoke became what it is now. Like now they would hate you. Like, what? No. Like the mm. DJ's got special effects. And I'm, imagine going up to hot Carl right now. But hey, I'm going to do four <laughs> minutes of jokes at around the corner. He's like, like he's load. Well, that's what they would do is they would have CDs at the time. So they got to load the CD. Yeah. And you're like, OK, well, hey, while I have a couple of seconds here, you know, how's everybody doing? Hey, have you ever tried this? You know, you could do a little yeah. bit of that. Bring out yeah. the kid with the wig in his pants. That's, uh, <laughs> I want to hear the crocodile yeah. hunter guy. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, but like, I couldn't find anything for under 21 where I can go. So, but I was writing jokes and then I realized, so I, I had them on this yellow sheet of paper. Uh, I mean, just really kind of like this. And I wrote a bunch of them down and then, you know, you, you start looking at it and you go, ah, I don't know if that's all great. Then I went a couple of years later when I, I said, I'm not going to do it. And I didn't start doing comedy until I was what, 25, I think. And I started, then I looked back at my old notes and I'm like, these are like rich Voss jokes. Like they're not verbatim. So they're not but... good. Zing. <laughs> no, this I guy like gets it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, but I was like, that's not, it's like, I, I was always somebody that, I'm very, uh, I, I don't want to say I'm one of those guys that would text somebody. Like I, I remember texting Florentine that I have, I had a joke that sounded like it could be his. And I had to ask him and I said, 
This sounds like a I would never worse. write something that horrible. Why would you say that? <laughs> I don't write like, this shit. It's like, why I would you insult me? Maybe yeah. I said something like that, but uh, uh, you know, go ahead. It doesn't matter. But you I'm took like, the funny out of it. I said that, but you took the punchline out. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like I could tell who I was influenced by. I was influenced by the Vosses and the Bobby Kellys and the Nick DiPaolo's and Jim Norton and Colin Quinn and Louie at the time. And I'm like, Okay, that's fine to be influenced by them, but I can't do that. This is we're not we're not in a rock band. We're doing tribute groups. I mean, there's no you don't have comedy karaoke where it's like, hey, I memorized all of uh, George Carlin's You Are All Disease. I'm going to do it tonight here in front of everybody. It's like you have to find your voice at some point. And it takes years. It's hard to tell comics this to stay with it until you figure out who you are that uh, who you are on stage. And I'm talking about the entire using the whole stage with that whole presence. And it's tough. And that's why, you, you know, you've seen how many, probably hundreds, maybe thousands of comics that you've done a show with have already dropped out and are working a regular job and not doing it anymore. No, sadly, I still see a lot of the guys that started out with yeah, un- who still have the open are- mics over at judge. And I like them all, but like, yeah, something like, yeah, there's a lot of hobbyists that are, which is fine. It's like, yeah, I think a lot of people like it's just like a place for them to. Oh, did you freeze? Oh, no, I, I should still oh, be here. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of guys that like uh, it, it's just like a place for them to hang out and drink. It's more like just a hangout, which it, which is cool. But at the same way, it's like, all right, if you're not serious about it, why you I don't know. That's just me being the purest. Like, all right, don't. But also, like, the more you do comedy the less it's possible to steal a joke because we're all narcissists no. and I got to make every joke about myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's true. So I can't steal a joke because it wouldn't be about me. Well, you're not black. <laughs> you're not gay. You're not fat. You're not a woman. Yeah. You're not trans. So you can't, can't lean back on that. So you're like, Oh shit, I got to write yeah. material now. <laughs> yeah. Everything. No, but I'm no, I mean that like, just me being self-centered as a comic, you got to be a little self-centered when it comes to writing jokes is you just write all the jokes as they're coming like from you. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. you know, no, it's, so, uh, it, it's, it's tough. It's tough uh, to tell people to stay with it and everything, but uh, you know, well, we're, you just, you just keep plugging away. The one thing about me is that I, when I've done shows and I, and this is who, this is just my personality. Like I, I could be friends with the people. I talk to people, but when I do comedy, I treat it as a job. It's not a hang for me. And I just like when I work my years working in radio and working day jobs and whatever it is, I don't go there to make friends. I go there to work, to make money. I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to make friends. Not here to make friends. Uh, It's like, I want to go there and I want to do my job and I'm not there so I can just hang out and chit chat and, oh, I guess I'm going to do a few minutes on stage or, hey, I'm featuring tonight, but I'm really here for the free drinks and uh, uh, to meet with other fellow uh, comics who are on the spectrum. It's like, no, I kind of want to be there because my goal is and that's why I take it seriously. That's why I don't really don't drink before I go on stage anymore because I enjoy the feeling of being completely under control. I'll drink after, trust me, I'll drink and I'll hang out with people after, but I treat it as a job until the job gets done. And that's how I've always been like with anything I've done in my life, but especially with stand up too. 
That's why I'm not. That's why a lot of comics. I don't do the comics table. I don't hang out with comics. See, I'm the other. I, I like the comic hang. I do. I like hanging out with other people, um, that are in the same dumb, messed up mindset that mm-hmm. I am. Like, but I mean, but also like that are serious about comedy. Like, I do like the comic, and um, yeah, like any newer comic in Cleveland, like I, I like watching other comics too, but um, yeah, I, I've, I've given a lot of jokes to comics that I see. I've, I've given Norman, uh, Norman jokes that he uses and stuff like that. I see him use on stage and things. Uh, I've given, I, I've given jokes to a lot of comics that it's just like something you think Gaffigan, I've given Gaffigan jokes. Gaffigan's given me jokes. So it's, um, so I, I do like the comic hang. I do like hanging out with the other comics. And like uh, that dude, uh, Zach and Jared, Jared and Zach just asked me to close out the show tonight in Kent. So I'll go there and I like those guys. And yeah, I'll, I'll listen to their jokes. And if I see something, I'll be like, hey, man, why, why don't you take it this direction? Why don't you? I, I do like the comic hangs. That's one thing I do like. So I got to disagree with you on that. Well, I, I, I should say I like it after I get done. When I'm on okay. stage, then I can hang out and talk to people. But like, I've got. Oh, I don't like hanging mind. out before. Yeah. Like beforehand, I'm like going through my own stuff. Like, all right, let me. So, yeah, when I'm done off stage, I don't care. And I, I, I do like busting balls. And I think sometimes like a lot of a lot of comics, like don't <laughs> like I don't know in New York and stuff, they get it. But I mean, a lot of these like cattle call open mic type things, which I don't like doing these cattle call. Open, there's there's no way there's funny 50 people in Cleveland on this given night. That's, Mm -hmm. that's impossible. (laughs) That's impossible. So God, it was a couple of years ago. I I remember I was in Columbus and I, I was just, I was at, I forgot what I was doing. And I I was covering something in my job and I'm like, you know what? I'm in town. I may as well do, do an open mic. And I get there at this one place and they said, you know, Hey, it's like, yeah, we've got uh, the sign up sheet over there. I'm like, yeah, sure. I look, there were 29 comics yeah. on the bill and I was 28 on the list. And I'm like, so by the time I go up on stage, it's the bartender and the the host are the only people in the audience. Cause everyone just left. Cause it's like two o'clock in the fucking morning. Yeah. <laughs> but there's no way there's 29 funny people in one room at that time. It's just impossible. So yeah, somebody would be in the hospital because they've been hold, been laughing so hard because they, <laughs> their ribs, their rib cage would just burst out of their, their chest. Yeah. But if you're new, you have to do it. And if you're a new comic, that's not bad because you're hanging like that's what I needed. Like taking that Dave Swenson comedy class um, like didn't exactly help me become a good comic at all. But what it did do is, I mean, Dalton was in it. Uh, there was this Asian kid, Rich Brett, who was very funny. He was in it. I don't know what happened to him, but he was very funny. I remember one of his jokes. I still think so, but he was been doing it like Ernest Hemmings. I don't know if you remember Ernest Hemmings. He was running around Cleveland for a while. No, he had the cats lived in Key West, right? Who's the writer? No, it's not Ernie Hemmings. He was, it's no, a no, black no. dude named Ernest Hemmings. Um, but like they knew of like open mics in Toledo and Columbus and like, it gave you a little community of guys to start out with. And we'd run around and like do shows together. That's how I met Dalton and Dalton's the one that brought me to the Robin hood. Um, and yeah. So like, that's how you just kind of like met people, but that dude, I thought he had a hilarious joke. 
um, I don't remember this years ago. There was, it was a gymnast. I want to say, not that it matters, but I think she was like an Asian gymnast or something. I was like for the Pan Am games or whatever. And she did a vault in practice and like landed weird and was paralyzed. Hmm. I, I don't know if you Doesn't remember. Ring a bell, no. Okay. Whatever. So what happened? So this, it was in the news at the time for a little while. It's like, God, oh, you see that? The girl uh, in the Pan Am games, like during, during warm ups, she like came up the Paul vault and landed. Like, and uh, she was paralyzed. Like, it's like, wow, can you, it's like, that's horrible, right? That's horrible. Can you imagine if that would have been a real meet? How horrible <laughs> her score would have been? <laughs> and to this day, I just like that's like that's such a great joke. And like, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, that's uh, and that's what it comes it's down so to. It's funny. It was just like it was such a dark, funny joke. Like even then, I was like, oh, dude, that's that's just funny. Because uh, you know, we'll, we both of us, especially you, with being around for you know as long as you have been doing it, and in in two different cities and all across the country, is that you have a lot of people come up say like I I, I want to do comedy. Uh, people have told me I'm funny. You know, what is the ultimate advice? Because you would normally would say just try it, just go to an open mic. But do you think somebody who wants to try it should just go as an audience member a few times before they decide to no. do it? They should Venmo me money and I will help put your set together. Uh, now, I'd say um, find the punchline. Find out what's funny. What's funny about whatever that thought is. What is the punchline? And then work backwards. I'd say that. Find the punchline. What is actually funny? And then work backwards from that. And then the other thing is, even if you have no followers, use Twitter as a joke notebook. Right? Your, so you have a funny idea put it on Twitter. She so have a joke notebook. Like, Oh yeah, that was a funny idea. And then that way you can like keep track of like funny ideas. That's, um, and again, you can Venmo me money and hit, hit me up on Twitter at Ray DeVito and mow me some money and I will help you put your set together. Well, and then, I mean, I, I remember when I started, cause uh, do you, do you know, Steve guy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He actually has a decent show on Wednesdays. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah. he's the one who got me into doing real well there. I mean, there were a couple like Bob Levy. I, did, I worked with uh, who's my first paid gig and uh, uh, Don, I Don feel Jameson sorry. I, I feel sorry for you for that. You yep. had to do, you had to follow him eating blue cheese out of woman's ass. I think he finally uh, stopped. I, he was a wife, wife number three <laughs> by then. <laughs> um, but uh, Steve Guy is the one who said, dude, you're really funny on Twitter. You should start doing stand up." And I remember telling him at the time I said, just because you think I'm funny on Twitter doesn't mean I'm good on stage. And, you know, uh, but he, he's the one who kind of helped get that out for me. And I'm like, all right, I, I started doing that. But what I wanted to make sure before I started doing, doing standup for me is not only having amusing concepts, but I wanted to see the craft a little bit more to see how, who does what, I guess it was very analytical that I was using as opposed no, to, I, I, I wouldn't think that deeply. But that's what I did. No, nah, I don't think. Yeah. Oh, like my, what I said before. My career is ruined. <laughs> no, just learn how to get a laugh. And then what just and once you get a laugh, then you could worry about uh, deciding how to get that laugh. Just, you, get can, a, just get a laugh. You got to learn how to get a laugh and then worry about getting laughs the way you want to get them. 
yes that's my, please, that's my so yeah l- listen to ray because you gen z wannabe comics you go up there with your long seven minute stories with no punchline or payoff uh find a punchline please for god's sake if you think your story is funny okay but make it pay off and don't make me sit there and go you took me on this journey for what i'm in the middle of nowhere <laughs> I've, I've heard too many like come on where's it going where's it co- that's it oh you're done okay you got the light okay well all right well good night everybody jesus god so yes find a me. <laughs> please fine i just at, love I, all the hate that that lady got who she's raking in millions so oh yeah good for her well i mean think about it it's like if you are a if you're a comic you're in a car you're on the freeway are you just going to keep driving on the freeway you need to get off at some point. You need to get gas. You need to go get food. You need to get to your destination. Tell me about it. I need to get off. Quit talking about my sex life. Lord knows. <laughs> She's like, will you finish already? <laughs> so you said Venmo, Ray DeVito on Twitter. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. your podcast. You got your Patreon. Where can I'm we kidding. find you? I did you? not give my Venmo. I was joking. Uh, but, but you you, you very well can. get. get uh, we'll get the plugs out here. Uh, my YouTube channel is... Well, the G-Hole podcast on all things podcast, uh, patreon.com backslash Ray DeVito, but social media, Twitter, R-A-Y-D-E-V-I-T-O, Instagram, R-A-Y dot D-E-V-I-T-O. And um, yeah, I, I got two, uh, my dry bar should be coming out because everyone that shot their dry bar around, uh, right around my time they started to come out. So I assume mine should be out in the next few months, I hope, but I got my own special coming out regardless. Um, um blind mike over at guest digital i have a blind kid editing my special the special is already done but he's putting it into reels so they can be on tiktok instagram and the facebook reels to get in the algorithms the algorithms and yeah i'll be in new york next couple weeks uh poughkeepsie headlining that next weekend and is that with zenhauser yeah i got I'm on three shows at the stand next week. Uh, two shows at Brooklyn comedy club. I'll get a few spots at stand up New York, uh, the comic strip. The only club I'm not past that New York city would be the comedy cellar, but I never try to get in there and hopefully with this special. And I got a reason to hit them up. I'll be doing podcasts at gas digital gas digital and stand up New York. Um, let me do podcasts in their, their studios. So. That's, so, that's, so what you're saying is you're past at more clubs in New York than Gino Bisconti. I don't know Gino's. I don't know Gino's. Uh, but I don't. You know, people shit on Christy Mayer and Gino Bisconti. I'm not going. All I'm going to say is they found an audience. If you have an audience, yeah, go ahead, play to your audience. They are fine doing that. Let, let them do it. You know what I mean? I was just trying to set you up here. No, I'm I, got, not. I got the baseball, which by the way is autographed by Jim Tomey. Hey, so. the, the Tominator. I don't even know if that's his name. Um, but no, I don't, uh, what I think do that was it? the name of a burger they had at uh, McDonald's in the mid nineties. It was the Tominator. I, I'm going to hit up. I don't know if I'll get on. I, I know I'll do Kumia show with Levy and Brennan, but I'm going to hit up, uh, them and see if I can do Kumia show while I'm there. I don't think I'm a fit on the other shows. Like Gino said, I, like I, I was like, yeah, you can't do in hot water, and it's it's fine. I don't think I'm a fit on that show, anyways. I don't think I'm a fit on 
that that show. Like it wouldn't be good to have me on that show because I'm I'm not in that realm. Uh, you know what I mean? So, but I would love to do the Anthony Cumia show while I'm there. So we'll see. At least I'll be on with Brennan and Levy. I'll see if I can get on a day by myself as well. Gas Digital, I was there doing a few podcasts a couple of months ago. And it, I mean, they got a great, great uh, little thing they have going on over there. Yeah. It's, it's a lot yeah, of fun. It's, yeah, they're good people over there. It's um, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I went with uh, Florentine. Florentine did my show at the stand. And then we were hanging out afterwards. And he was like, hey, I'm going to do Godfrey's podcast. Um do you, do you want to roll or whatever? And I was like, yeah, I'm like, I'll go to the gas stage. Well, usually they have beers in the fridge. I was going to hang out, have a few beers. And then I got there and Harrington's like, Hey, you want to do uh, Amico's pod, uh, Ian and Amico's podcast tomorrow morning. So I Is didn't get the to buy guys podcast. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't get to hang because it's like, all right, now I got to be up at 10 AM. So I, I took the subway out. Um, and I, I, I wanted to hang for Florentine and, I saw a little bit and they were crushing and then I, I rolled out. Uh, so yeah, it's always cool hanging out there. Cause like they'll put you on other podcasts while you're there. So I was, I was going to have beer there, but uh, they were out of beer by the time I got there. So I did a shot with shot of uh, tequila with Mike figs. Oh yeah. Good guy. Mike figs. I, I wasn't drinking before that. Cause I was going on Godfrey's podcast. I want to be on like, like I said, before I go on stage, I try not to drink. And the Mike Fig is like, oh, you want a shot? And he pours this like fucking like rocks glass size full of tequila. And I'm like, oh, boy, uh oh, this is not going to be good. And ended up actually turning out pretty well on doing Godfrey's show. So it was cool. It was a good time. Nice. Are you wrapping up? Is that what this is? Uh... Yeah, we're uh, as we said in the radio business before Gino got me. Fi- Again, I always say that Gino didn't get me fired. I got myself fired. Um, but, uh, uh yes, I heard you rebounded. I heard you got, uh, you're doing all right. You got a good, decent job now. Yeah. I got, I got a good job right now. Uh, you can't my, talk about it. So you my hive is, well, yeah, no, it's just, you know, uh, the trolls, the trolls come after uh, dox me, but, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I I'm doing, I, I, you know, it, it, people will always say, oh, you're doing, you say you're doing better, but you really miss it. It's like, no, I don't. I don't. I would prefer. In fact, I've had more people from my podcast come see my comedy shows than any time I promoted it on regular radio. I mean, for years, I would be, hey, guys, I'm doing this show tonight. And because of that, I couldn't travel because I have to be up at three thirty, four o'clock in the morning the next day. So I couldn't go on the road and do anything. Uh, I had to stay local. I would do, you know, your shows or I would do go to the funny stop or I would, you know, do occasionally do other bar gigs around town or go to Columbus at least for the night. But the are you part, in Akron? Uh, yeah, for now, but I'm moving back up to Cleveland in a couple of months. I'm going to say uh, swing by that show at Kent. I'm sure the I'll, I'll let them know. I got to I got to work tonight. Unfortunately, I can't. Uh, uh, but uh, so like after we do this, I got to head out and uh, do my do my job so I can afford my my labor of love doing my podcast here. But uh, no, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a good time. Th- Ray, thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate this. I'm going to put thanks this out. For uh, me, it'll be out. Uh, we're, I'm recording this Tuesday, the 29th. It'll be out Wednesday, the 30th. So it's going to go out uh, about 12 hours from now. All right. Awesome. Is it free it. or is it on the Patreon? Uh, both. Both. Okay, I'll I'll share it. If I... yeah, absolutely, I'll put it out there for you. All right, cool. All right, thanks for having me, buddy. Absolutely.